You should do a sound check. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Yeah, very professional here. Just to bring up to speed, we got Dougie here. He looks like a mountain if mountains painted. And we have you, sir, who looks like a child's drawing of a lumberjack. <laughs> I like it, though. What is your name, sir? Andy. Andy. Of course, it is a powerful, beautiful name. You write a poem, and then you build a shed to keep that poem in. Yeah. And, and Andy, are you here with your... Andy and Sue, get the fuck out. <laughs> oh, come on, you probably have a house with a nice welcome mat that says A&S, and you're just like, ooh, little pu- No, you don't, you're not that kind of gal, so you fuck that. And Sue, what's your story? I like your energy. You're very powerful and intense. And you, were, you have a mullet, but you're pulling it off, and I fucking love it. It is not rude at all. You're going business in the front, party in the back. That's not rude. That's a mullet. You can stare at me all you fucking want. That is the definition of a mullet haircut. Some people don't appreciate that as a haircut. I fucking love it. So I'm being a positive person even though you have negative stereotypes. Yeah, I'll keep yelling until you start laughing. It's my style. <laughs> Saved it, right, Sue? Sue Hastings! That, that, that is a North American viewpoint. The only people that have ever said that are from North America. Correct. That is where I'm from. I like your astute accusation, and you said it in that beautiful European way. If you're from North America, you don't think I'm insulting you, but I am. <laughs> <laughs> Lived in the UK for three years. I've got, where are you from? Canada? Yeah, you seem like you're a Canadian. In that you're confused by our traffic laws and ways of not saying hello, no matter the situation. Yeah, you don't have to laugh at that. It's just an astute observation. And Sue, yes, sir. Today. I know I did. I am from Canada. We do say it. But I don't, because I don't come from the island that has the Canadian accent you guys all assume, which is like that. Like, how you doing, Amy? I come from Ontario, which has this even worse accent, where we're saying things like, oh, you're going to bang her out, buddy? Let's head down to Timmy's where you can finger fuck Brenda. She's in the pickup. It's going to get fucking nuts. You got a two four? Time to head down and do some tongue kissing. It's just <laughs> so creepy. <laughs> and uh, Sue and Andy, where are you guys from? <laughs> Bristol. Yes, lovely. One guy. <laughs> I, li I like Bristol. Bristol's kind of like a, it's like like Brighton without all the criminals. Do you know what yeah. I'm saying? <laughs> and I don't mean that there's a lot of crime in Brighton. You just walk down the street and you're like, that guy looks like he knows how to use a gun. <laughs> and not for like shooting, but like put, it, like put it all together in a case that looks like it carries a tuba and then shoots someone who owes him cocaine money and then runs away. As opposed to Bristol, it's like burlesque dancer, a guy who just sells jars that he made, and then 15 Tesco's all in a square block of each other. Just w and your streets. Uh, who here has been to Bristol? Yeah. I like to do jokes for five people. I, uh, <laughs> if you've never been to Bristol, imagine a city built on a river where they've just removed all the street signs and they say things like, walk towards the river, but not too close, over the bridge, not that one, then you'll find the train station. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, are you going uphill? Yes. You're going the wrong way uphill, though. You want to go up the other hill. There's only one hill, not in Bristol. You got to go up that hill, then turn left to the other hill, not the one facing the sun, the one facing away from the sun. You'll see a cow. Go with him. Like, <laughs> it's just very bizarre. What do you do in uh, Bristol, Sue? Very valiant. Do you work for anyone, or are you just some sort of charity <laughs> vigilante? It's charity, but I do work for them. Yeah. 
you work for a charity. Because the way you said that, it literally sounded like you were just on the streets in like a mask, like, take this money, have a good time, see you later. Yeah, fuck yeah, how noble and delightful of you to be doing that. This is very good. I w- I'm not gonna make, I'm not gonna, yeah, it's fine, I do this for a living. I help no one. I made fun of an interior decorator and your haircut. That ha- helps no one except to relieve everyone from laughter, except that guy who's just looking at me like I took a poop in a cereal. And, uh, and Andy, what do you do for a living? What? <laughs> so she's a woman of the people, yeah. and you're working for the man. Yeah, the man. Good for you, man. Which company do you work for? Uh, Thank you. No big companies now. So independent, you work for those hipster phone companies that yeah. they don't use mobile phones, they're still back on landlines? No, I'm on the mobile phone. Yeah. <laughs> Is there a cow in here? <laughs> it's the most creepy boo I've ever heard. <laughs> boo. <laughs> It's like he hates you, but he wants to fuck you at the same time. <laughs> I don't like you, but I love you. It's, uh, we're approaching the last week of the Fringe, and there's very much that last week of the Fringe energy, and then I've seen three of my friends full-on weeping today, <laughs> and two of them are already super drunk. Like, I got a text message at one in the afternoon that just read, I puked, and then I called him, and I said, I dropped my phone in the toilet, I think, and then he hung up. So, <laughs> it's this. if you're going to go see some shows, today is the day, because you may not see the best well-performed hour of stand-up comedy from a lot of the comedians out there, but it will be memorable. People are gonna render clothing. Like it's just, it's just something that happens to comedians because no one's eating well. Like I had a burger yesterday and then I had a crepe right after, like a king. That's what like King George the first did. Not John Hastings the comedian just like, I know what I need, carbs, then more carbs, and then to attempt to sleep. Because it wasn't at one in the afternoon. I ate that at four in the morning. <laughs> like a fucking 11-year-old left by himself too long. (laughs) By myself. There was no one around. I was sat in an alleyway. I I didn't even take the... I put the cigarette down. It was still burning. I ate the hamburger, went and bought the crap, ate the crap, and then just kept smoking. It was just like, hey, body, see how you figure this one out. Time for some sleep. It was just... Madness. I'm hosting the show uh, called Late in Life. Have you heard of Late in Life? What's up, brother? I was just going to say, that sounds like something I might do. It does sound like something you might do. <laughs> What's your name, brother? Uh, Ed. Ed. Is that your real name, Ed? It sounded like you made it up there. No. <laughs> My name is uh, uh, Ed. It's Ed. 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 What do you do, Ed? I, um, I'm a music therapist. You're a music therapist? <laughs> sounds like you made up a job, Ed. <laughs> And that's coming from the guy who's doing an improvised stand-up show. <laughs> so I, it is truly a case of the pot calling the kettle black. I am aware that I'm standing in my glass house throwing stones. Also, why does that analogy not bring up the fact that if you live in a glass house, shouldn't you be n- not naked at any time? I always wonder, you know, you never hear someone go, well, if you live in glass houses, you shouldn't throw stones. It's like, that's true, but also you should wear clothes all the time. It's just something I think about. Back to you, Ed. That's what I was getting at. Thank you for understanding me while everyone else stared at me like I was insane. There's logic to that. And also, is the entire house glass or are there rooms within the glass house that are drywalled? I feel like, Andy, you would know something about this. There is no house. What? It's not a real house. What? What? What do you mean there's not a real house? It's So there's not like a guy in a glass house who was one day throwing stones and they're like, Neville, come here, you can't throw stones. 
you live in a glass house. And he's like, I don't understand. And someone threw a stone in his glass house and it broke a wall. And he's like, oh, I understand this. That's not a real thing. I feel like we were playing different sports and yet he somehow passed me the ball. <laughs> so wait, like the guy who lived in, I'm running with this, it's fucking awesome. So if there's a guy who doesn't live in a glass, you'd just be busy washing tomatoes. Where do the tomatoes come into the glass house analogy? Well, the glass house is actually a Oh, you're talking about yeah. like a, a greenhouse? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you did, oh, so you think it wasn't even a house, it was just a gardener <laughs> who got a bit lippy with another gardener and he threw a stone at him and he's like, we need to tell people this story. You wouldn't throw stones? <laughs> I fucking love you so much right now. <laughs> You've really thought a lot about this analogy, haven't you? Yeah, why would <laughs> That's an excellent point. Why wouldn't you throw a tomato or a tomato? That's how I say it. But you'd have other vegetables. Would you throw a potato at someone if they were in another glass? What is the wait, wait, wait. Why not? You can grow whatever you want. You're not in charge of me. It's my greenhouse. <laughs> I grow up potatoes in my greenhouse because I like to have everything that I need for a full fry up. So I got a pig in there. I got <laughs> I got a chicken. I got like all the other animals that they have that you put together to make sausage. So I got like the asshole animal and the ear <laughs> animal. And then I got like some mushrooms growing and some potatoes and some tomatoes or tomatoes. Either way, we'll call the whole thing off. And. Uh, <laughs> And that was a musical theater reference. Those of you that got it, congratulations on your culture. And those of you that didn't, potato, potato. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and I put it all together. So what do you have in your in your greenhouse, Andy? I have no greenhouse. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe if you worked harder. <laughs> do you have enough property that you could have a greenhouse? <laughs> Did anyone else notice he took time to think about it? <laughs> Is he, are you guys married or just long-term partners? <laughs> One, this is the weirdest response to how long have you guys been dating? Define it. <laughs> I, I just sell greenhouses. Um, how long have you guys been together? few months you picked well this guy fucking rules now back to you so you can't have a greenhouse in your first floor flat but do you have like a garden out in front wait first floor are you using first floor british first floor, british first floor. so second floor yeah to north yeah. america, yeah, america cuz yeah. the first floor is the ground floor cuz you're number 1 and you yeah. go up to number 2 as opposed it is <laughs> to you we can be different you have to accept me or you're xenophobic you don't look like a ukip yeah. border you vote UKIP? You vote UKIP? Yeah. Why? Why? Yeah. You don't have to hiss them. It's a free fucking country. <laughs> you can totally... No, you don't. As an immigrant who doesn't pay tax in this country, I see some of UKIP's points, but... <laughs> Did you actually vote for UKIP, Andy? I don't think I voted for him. Yeah, I fucking knew he was fucking lying, because he just he has sweet eyes and that sweet shirt, and also that greenhouse jag wouldn't come from a UKIP voter. He would be like, no one's coming near my greenhouse because it's mine. I'm not sharing it with anybody. It's <laughs> <laughs> a comment how a lot of right-wing conservatives in this country don't feel that they should share the wealth with everyone else, even though this country is basically based on socialist values and actually was cr the Communist Manifesto was created out of the model of the UK. Yeah, not all the show is funny, but some of it educational. <laughs> you miss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
The communist man. I will explain. Dep no, because it was based on the Industrial Revolution and what was happening in the United Kingdom. Yeah, he felt that the great solution yeah. of the Industrial, it was yeah. a reaction, but it depends on how you view, is he going against the system, or did he view it as the continuation of what the system was creating because yeah, of the yeah. amount of workers so within the United Kingdom. Oh, you've been <laughs> lawyered, Ed. Oh! <laughs> Don't fuck with me. I was raised by a family of politicians, and like I remember being four years old and saying, I don't like Brian Mulroney, who was the current Canadian Prime Minister, and my dad said, why don't you like him? And I said, I don't like his face. It's scary. And he goes, that's not a reason not to vote for that man. And I was like, I'm four years old. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Where the fuck are you going, lady? Where are you going? It's Hastings, you fucking lunatic. <laughs> what the fuck was that? Oh, was that a little weird, Ed? Andy? Andy. Uh, sorry, Andy. Was that, a that, was that guy a little weird? He wasn't arranged. No, seriously, my, the actors I've hired, they are still hidden within the crowd. They have... <laughs> <laughs> Dougie, X nay on the X plenier. He's not. He's not. He's not one of them. Maybe you're one of them. You Canadians don't have a dress. No. The whole flannel thing. We don't really do that. The way to tell a Canadian usually is, is that they'll have a Canadian flag somewhere on their person. With a Canadian pee in your garden? <laughs> it's the first time you've let. No, they just take your garden because they think there's. <laughs> but Canadians just enjoy their your garden for ill-gotten purposes because we're too polite to knock on your door and ask to use your toilet, yeah. and we can see that your flowers need some watering because you don't have a greenhouse even though you really want one, <laughs> and so we thought we'd help you with some fertilizer. I don't know how I won that argument, but I think I just did. <laughs> now. Um, I'm just going to go back to Ed. Ed, um, Ed kind of freaked me out because he did go to all of the flyers and go, is this John Hastings show? I've heard of John Hastings. And they said, how did you hear about John Hastings? And they went, then he went, from you. And then he laughed. And so when I got here, they're like, there's a guy who's been yelling your name for a bit. <laughs> Are you worried? Are you worried at all? I'm like, no, not really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Again, Ed, Ed, you're fucking... You're making me laugh. None of them can see your face. He just went metal detector and then did a wave, but had this weird smile like, yeah, what are we going to find? I hope it's treasure. Um, and then he was apparently yelling my name while you guys were coming into the room. And then I could just see him sat right there, and he just had these wide eyes, and he kept kind of looking at me as I shifted. And I'm like, is he looking for a vulnerable spot? Like when I said the Mark David Chapman thing, I was being sort of genuine because I am the opposite of a celebrity. But... When you got those eyes, it was weird, especially since his friend was sitting really far away from him. <laughs> like, I think the whole thing just sort of stunk of, I don't really know. Andy, did you have anything to do with it? I'm now more concerned by that answer than anything else. <laughs> did you have anything to do with like, the assassination or the getaway driver? Which thing? Because I had something to do with one of them, and then I heard the plans for the other one. But I'm in charge of the getaway driver. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to secure a car. I got them a bicycle, but it turned out to be a unicycle. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> Let's move on.
and talk to you, two pretty ladies who showed up late. Um, I don't know how you're going to beat the wicked dance I got going with Andy. Oh, well, I'll be the judge of that. Don't worry. We still have to talk to Doug and his fiance about their blossoming love, right? Your blossoming love you have for your... See, he's so excited about <laughs> having a wicked time over there. And what is your name, miss? I'm Megan. Megan and? Jen. Megan and Jen, and where are you guys from? Upstate New York. Upstate New York? Yeah. That is correct. Very good. You don't, y are you also American? Yeah. You guys don't sound American. We don't? Okay. No. And for a second, it, it, no problem. Uh, <laughs> it's not really a compliment. I like America. <laughs> you guys have pies. Your diners always have really nice old ladies who give me extra coffee and say, oh, you're from Canada. I used to go there, but not anymore. Um, they got angry at us because we didn't go to the war in Iraq because we figured out we wanted to keep our money. And so uh, <laughs> you guys went a different way with that. And, uh, and what brings you over to Edinburgh from upstate New York? What, what part of upstate New York? Originally from Syracuse. Syracuse. I've driven through Syracuse. If you haven't been to Syracuse, imagine Hull, but without all the culture. <laughs> It's an apt joke. It fucking got Andy, and he's a tough nut to fucking crack. It's like making a, a wall laugh, right? Making, yeah, Grimsby, maybe not Campbell. See what I fucking just said? <laughs> Have you ever been to Syracuse? What did I fucking say? It's like having my own sidekick, but he's not cooperating. <laughs> Do you like that last get guest? I didn't know we had a guest. I was I was asleep for a bit. Are we on television? Uh, so Syracuse. Are you also from Syracuse? No, Poughkeepsie. Poughkeepsie. I just know it because it's fun to say. It doesn't sound like a town. It sounds like a cool lady who has beads in her hair. <laughs> who brought over the djembe? Poughkeepsie was here. <laughs> Did she leave some of her weed? Did she ever? <laughs> um, and uh, and what brings you guys to Edinburgh? You live in London. Question for you, are you in a different country than England right now? Yes. Very good, very good. You got the talk. They, they give it to every North American when you're headed to Scotland. Just to let you know, you're going to a different country. Now, you're not gonna go through a border, but you're going to a different country. And if you forget that, you will die. <laughs> My friend Evan's over from Canada, and on the second night he was here, we were sat in uh, the beer garden of the pear tree next door, and he did say, man, England is a lovely country, and a guy two tables over went, you're talking about when you visited England earlier this week, right? <laughs> right? And he was just like, no. And I was like, yes, that's what he's talking about. That's what he's talking about. I am really sorry. He's like, good. <laughs> Which I understand, it is a different country, and I, I don't get a fucking bee in my bonnet when people are like, are you American? Because we sound the same, but Scottish people and English people sound different. Then you throw a Geordie in there, and I'm like, I don't know <laughs> what he's saying. Because you have a pretty solid, pretty okay accent, but he, I get. We're, we're from Northumberland. So Northumberland, I can get. That's it's a different bit from Geordie. It's a different than the Geordie. Then there's the other part that's like Teesside and up. Yeah, I, know. I don't know. Are they playing Sutherland, a. Are they playing a prank on the world? Because I have no. My yeah, I have my my friend Ka my friend Kai. He's a comedian. For the first two weeks, I knew him. I didn't consider him a friend because I had no idea what he's saying. <laughs> he once said to me, um, 
it's my girl, she's Natalie, she's great, she rooms us. And I was like, what? <laughs> what did you just say? And he went, this is my girlfriend, she's great, I'm glad she's with us. And I thought, and I was like, oh, I thought you said, this is Natalie, she's going to rim us. <laughs> and this is to show you how funny Kai is, he just went, well, she's not gonna do that to you. <laughs> and so uh, why do you live in London? You work there? I live in London too, what part? Uh, oh, come on, hipster, what's up? <laughs> yes, 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 I've been to Bethnal Green. Would you like to meditate near this shrine and then have a coffee for 11 pounds? <laughs> Excuse me, you can't come in. I can't see your asshole through the front of your jeans. You're not cool enough. <laughs> like, uh, Bethnal Green in London, for those of you who've never been, imagine what people in Glasgow will tell you what Edinburgh is like. That's Bethnal Green. Now, <laughs> and, uh, and what do you do in London? Um, I work for a charity. You work for a charity. Do you know? No. Which charity? Charity battle! All right. What's, <laughs> what's your charity? Well, we're charity funded by the big lottery. You're charity funded by the big lottery, so you're using evil money for good. I like it. I like it. <laughs> and what does your charity do? What's wrong with your people? <laughs> I know that's the worst way to ask that question, but still a noble question. They got money to keep their mountainers really damn depressed. Oh, can they hear that? You're losing this competition. <laughs> How was the comedy show? Pretty good until he was needlessly mean to deaf people for a bit. I didn't understand that at all, but he was on the side of the depressed and the starved. So we had to go along with it, but it was kind of like when someone says, have you seen my puppy? And it's an ugly puppy, but you're like, it's still a puppy though. You guys can hear that noise, right? Did a video game just start in my brain? <laughs> Did we just get downloaded into the mainframe? And how long have you lived in, in London for? I'm uh, a, a bit over a year. Bit over a year? Have you adjusted coming from North America? No, yeah, it's, it's a weird, a w like everything's just so much tighter and stranger and living in London, I can understand why the rest of the country is like, fuck London, because you got to get used to it. Because your first day, like a homeless man coughs in your mouth and then a guy who works for the tube just calls you a gay lord. And you're like, why, why are you doing this? He goes, I don't know, they just told me to do it. And then you go to buy a coffee and they just give you pee. Like they just, the whole city fucks with you. Like there's just a time you'll be walking down the street and just a woman will punch you in the face and go, welcome to London, you shithead. And you're like, why? Why are you doing this? And they're like, we don't know, but it's where your council tax money goes. And then after like six months, you're hardened to it. And the woman comes back to punch you in the face. You just punch her in the face. And she goes, you've learned, well done. And, and then you get an oyster card and that's how you get them. And, uh, <laughs> And yeah, because if you come from like upstate New York, which is a lot of like, would you like a pie? Don't do heroin. I've been there for a while. <laughs> where, did, where was the place you lived in America right before you moved to London? I actually lived in Peru before I moved to London. All right, well, look but at you. You are a jaunty world traveler going against every American stereotype that Americans don't travel, as opposed to you who lived in Peru, hopefully not doing what's known to be done in South America. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you think I'm making a cocaine reference? I'm not. I'm talking about climbing mountains. It can be very dangerous because they don't have these safety regulations of the Western world. Save that one. Now, and you just came over to visit. Do you still live in Poughkeepsie? I don't still live there. <laughs> What's that? So you're just a homeless person? You're like. How are you feeling? 
You're a terrible liar. This is the problem with Americans, is they don't know how to lie. Why did you go to Iraq? For the oil. I mean, there's probably some weapons there. I mean, how do you feel about Barack Obama? I don't care for him. He's black and I don't like, I mean, his policies are bad. Again, that was a joke. I wasn't <laughs> expressing my own views. But this entire side of the room was like, what show did we just come to? Um, are you gonna vote for Hillary Clinton in the next ele election or are you gonna go Donald Trump? Neither are you gonna go Bernie Sanders? <laughs> yeah, I f okay, for those who don't know, the America has fucking dusted off the greatest politician ever. His name's Bernie Sanders, and he looks like an old professor, and he's walking around America just complaining at people. <laughs> and just ignoring like true facts, and also just like pointing out crazy things. Like he went through the budget of every congressman's office, and there's all this like unexplained money that goes towards like um, expenditures like meals, cars, all that sort of stuff. And Bernie Sanders has some money in his family, and so he doesn't use that. And he's just, but it, it's a good point. He's like, who needs $100,000 for a car? We get one car, we'll all share it. It's called carpooling. Problem solved. Number two, healthcare. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna get a bunch of doctors. I like, and like, he's just saying all these things and all the other politicians are like, oh God, he actually is making some relatively legitimate points that the rest <laughs> of the world, like he just went, we're gonna have free university. And they were like, how are we gonna do that? And he was like, We'll let the universities figure it out. If we make it a law that university's free, they'll have to adapt. <laughs> and every politician's like, holy fuck, if he gets elected, he could do that. <laughs> and so it's just funny. And, and then you, on the other side, you have Donald Trump, who's literally just like being hunted by a drug, a drug cartel overlord and saying the most racist stuff ever. And then talking about how attractive his daughter is. Like, I don't know what's going on in your country, but as an outside observer, I'm really looking forward for when <laughs> China takes over because <laughs> it's of course, it's of course, it's not really a joke. That's gonna probably happen if Donald Trump, he's leading in the polls. Yeah, he's not gonna win. No, I know, they're gonna shoot him before they let him win. I understand that, but there's a lot of Republicans in the United States and you guys have elected George W. Bush twice, so don't stand from a place of authority, all right? <laughs> I understand, but you could have done something. You could have talked to your parents. You could have yelled at, like, I was a Canadian. Know what we did that day? We all stood at the border and went, let's see what's going to happen. There's no way they're going to elect him a second time. Like, he declared two illegal wars, and then he choked on a pretzel. Like, I understand our leader is a, like, right-wing conservative Lego man who ignored environmental policy and told the United Nations Environmental Board that he disagreed with their theories on climate change and they went, you can't do that, it's science and your point is uh-uh-uh-uh. But you can't, you can't say you're gonna put him in a second time. And then I remember watching it and the news report, uh, the news, the like, famous face of news in Canada is this guy named Peter Mansbridge and he's this bald alcoholic guy with this deep timbery voice and he looks like an open drunk. Like the CBC, which is the equivalent of the BBC in Canada, about 20 years ago had to start paying for a car that would drive him from his house to the studio because he would just get arrested for drunk driving <laughs> every day. And then he would show up the next day and they'd have to do a report about how he was drunk driving. So they were like, all right, we'll just pay for a car for him because he's such a lunatic. But on the news, he's just this beautiful, crisp man. And I'll never forget in 2004 when America has decided George W. Bush is the solution to the problems he's created. <laughs> 
and you could just see, because uh, I've worked a bit in television, and you know that the director and the producer were like, oh, fuck. <laughs> and I was with my dad watching the election, because my dad worked in politics a lot. My dad and I, like, I love politics for the show of it. Like, I know it's all bullshit. Donald Trump's not going to win. It's going to be either Chris Christie or Jeb Bush. Either way, yeah, either way, Democrat. Hillary Clinton, here we go. Can't wait, because Bill Clinton's closer to the White House again. And here's why I like Bill Clinton. He's the last great liar in politics. <laughs> he got sucked off in the Oval Office, lied about it, and got out of it on a grammar technicality. <laughs> I didn't even know you could do that in the world, and it still impresses me. Because I read, I read a bunch of books about it when I was in university, because I did this contemporary American history class, and they went into the, all the laws about it. And then the big problem that the really the Republicans had is they put this guy named Ken Starr in charge. And Ken Starr, as it turned out, had embezzled a lot of money. And the Democrats had this like evidence to prove. So what they were going to do is, if Bill Clinton got impeached, they were going to release all of that and make the Republicans look like a bunch of boobs and probably shut down the American government. So the Republicans, midway through the whole sort of impeaching Bill Clinton, stopped backing Ken Starr. So he was this guy who had like millions of legal dollars coming into him that he could research and take down the president. And one day they just basically called him and were like, Kenny, what's up? Listen, um, you have to keep doing what you're doing, but you're going to do it for free now. Yeah, don't call us. We won't call you. Go fuck yourself. See you, bye. And, <laughs> and then at the same time, the Democrats are just like, let's make this guy look like an asshole. And the best part of it is they did the whole thing. I don't know if you guys are, are old enough to remember, but they did the deposition live on television. And so the President of the United States is sat there, no blazer, just like a, a, a done-down tie, open-top button. But he had a can of Coca-Cola, but no glass. And they're like, sir, do you feel that you lied to the American people? And he's taking like a refreshing sip from his cola. No, I don't. I feel you're wasting some money. And they're like, oh! Good point. And then they go finally get to the point, which is they said, did you, th they said he lied under oath about having sexual intercourse um, with this woman. And he asked them, could you please define for me the word is within the word this? <laughs> and they couldn't, and the court was thrown out. How the fuck did he do that? <laughs> Isn't that fucking insane? The President of the United States just made some shit up and he has a sweet accent and just a can of Coca-Cola and everyone went, we fucking did it. We don't know how, but I think we all need to start getting blowjobs in our offices <laughs> and then explaining it away. Well, you didn't conjugate your adjective properly, so. But then Hillary's going in, and Hillary was always the brains behind Bill Clinton. Like, she tried to push for health care in the 90s, and then they wouldn't let her do it because they may or may not have uh, ever, like, covered up a murder over a real estate scam. So then they had to back off that. Yeah. But she's going to go in, and she's the best because she's like a Hollywood insider, and she's just going to be walking around just being like, hey, John Kerry, you're going to do this, or I'm going to reveal the fact that your wife's family was the largest slave owners within the slavery time. Have a good time. Hey, <laughs> Bush family, you guys are going to stop fucking funding money to the Koch brothers, or I'm going to reveal the fact that you're not from Texas, you're from Connecticut, and you have a older brother who's just doing all the pills in the world. Good time. See you later. <laughs> and, and then she's going to, like, Chelsea's going to come. She's like, Chelsea, I love you. Here's my granddaughter. Get her away from me. She's not politically important. And then she's going to, like, go to the United <laughs> Nations and be like, remember when I had a brain tumor and it was just so I could start running for election? Well, guess what, fuckers? Everything's now. I just can't wait. And not funny at all, but very educational. And it <laughs> shows that I've been dealing with the stress of the Emperor Festival reading about the American election. Just like last year I was reading about the Scottish independence movement. A fascinating time, just watching all of Scotland really trying to figure out, are we going to stick with these guys? Yes. But to make sure our investment is properly in looked after, we're going to take over British Parliament and scare the shit out of some English people. <laughs>
like waking up that day of that election. You guys were there, right, Andy? You didn't vote, but I assume you did too. Did you vote in the British election? You were in Italy? Did you vote in that election? That's true, Andy. I was going for a joke, but I'm glad that you pointed it out that it would just make any sense. It's like talking to Teflon. <laughs> I love you. You're going to be one of my faves, my fave five on my three network phone plan. Remember, because he works in mobile phones, call back. No big deal. <laughs> and final question: What, what, what did, what did you study in grad school? Are you social work? Social work? She, her charity could help you out, and then you could work for her. In Bristol, it'd be lovely. An American in Bristol, you won't understand a goddamn word they're saying. <laughs> they have the, the you guys don't have the West Country accent, but it sounds like someone's like scaring them, but at the end of every word. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I can't. Can anyone here? Anyone here have a West Country accent? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that. It's perfect. <laughs> That's exactly what you sound like. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Say, where's my parrot, sir? Where's my parrot, sir? <laughs> Smee, you call this a child? Smee, you call this a child? Fuck yeah. <laughs> oh man. And uh, where in the West Country are you guys from? Western yeah. Superman? Western, Western Superman. Oh. Nice. <laughs> Is it actually posher? No. <laughs> Western Supermare? Who fucking named that place? <laughs> Get the fuck out of here! I just love that you were like, allow me to clarify. <laughs> you just stroke, because you look like the perfect guy at a party that would like, someone's talking about like apocalypse now and you'd walk up and just say, it's um, actually the most interesting fact about apocalypse now is that Martin Sheen suffered a mental breakdown during the filming of that first scene and he wasn't supposed to punch the mirror, he just did and Francis Ford Coppola was going through a time in his life called cocaine, 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 money, 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 cocaine and so he just kept the cameras rolling and that's why he's bleeding throughout the entire first half of the movie is because he actually cut his hand. You have a great night and just walk away. <laughs> What's your name, brother? Steve. Steve. Yeah, Steve. I saw you downstairs, and I'm like, I hope Steve comes to the show. He's got a good energy and a shirt that I would also like to own. Where did you purchase your shirt? Austin, Texas. Fuck yeah. <laughs> did you go for the barbecue that stayed for the music? Uh, Take all the music? music Stay for, for the barbecue. Listen, you know how in Scotland you guys pretend to deep fry shit just to scare the English people that visit you during August? <laughs> Texas does that, but with barbecue times a billion. Like, like they describe, like, what did you do to this pork? Oh, we slow roasted it for four months ins inside a burning orphanage. We cleaned the children out. But the joy that was on those walls infused in the meat. Then we coated it in hickory sticks and rolled it down a hill of butter. They're hard to find, but we have a few still in America. That piece of meat then landed in an alligator. We hunted the alligator for three months, killed the alligator using knives made of bamboo. So the little bits of bamboo infused into the meat within its belly that was slightly decayed from the alligator acid, then we put that meat in an oven for about 15 minutes and we're serving it with a light, you know, chipotle mayo, so. <laughs> <laughs> Would you guys like some bread? Like, you know what I mean? Like, every time you go into the barbecue place, 
Yeah, you get an hour-long amazing story. Would you like some ribs? Let me tell you about these ribs. Usually you get ribs from a cow, not us, unicorn. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's just mental. How are we doing for time? Ooh. And what took you to Austin, Texas? You went for the music? Yeah. Do you love Willie Nelson? More Johnny Cash, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you one of those guys that sometimes you think, I'll, I'll watch the music video to the song Hurt, and then you just cry for a while? <laughs> All the time. For those of you who've never seen, okay, so Johnny Cash um, in the early 90s. Johnny Cash, we're all familiar. Johnny Cash. So Johnny Cash, great, amazing country singer. Fucking one of the best songwriters, song singers, song singers. Fuck me. One of the best singers ever. In the very early 90s, he got dropped from Columbia Records because they felt that his time was over and they didn't need him anymore. And he was a very sensitive soul. He didn't think he was very good. That's why I have all of his music very short songs and very simple in terms of uh, like musical structure because he was really worried about his guitar playing because he came up with like Elvis, Jerry Lee Lewis, Carl Perkins, Roy Orbison, and then a guy from Arkansas named John, middle name, the letter L, Cash. Like, he was just worried about being a bumpkin, so he was very nervous about music. So when he got dropped by his record label, he was like, well, I guess I'm retired. He moved to Jamaica, and then the guy who found the Beastie Boys and brought hip-hop into popular culture, Rick Rubin, was like, I love Donny Cash, found him and was like, what kind of album do you want to make? And he's like, I'd like to record an album of my mom's favorite songs, because I never got to do that. So they put out this one album called The American Recordings, and it did so well. It went platinum. He did one show in the Viper Room, and it sold out. Like one show, they added it ended up having like 15 shows full of like celebrities and all this sort of stuff. And all this, the and as he was leaving, he only played the album. And as he was leaving, the audience began singing um, Folsom Prison Blues, and he went up and did all of his old standards and had launched this new career. And then his fourth album of that series called the American Series is an album called A Man Comes Around. And there's something that is in this. He does a cover of Nine Inch Nails' song The Hurt. And there's something in that song because his wife had just died, that is the saddest song in the world. I know what you're thinking, John, isn't this a comedy show? Why are you bumming us out? Because <laughs> I like to dig a hole and work my way back out of it, so watch me do it. And he recorded an, uh, uh, that song, and then he made a music video of it that stars his wife, and it was the last photographs of him and his wife together. And there's something about that music video that sometimes when I'm just like feeling like, really good about myself, what I'll do is I'll put it on and I'll start crying. And one time I inadvertently, a friend of mine was going through a rough patch and I jokingly sent him the video. <laughs> But I forgot, I forgot, I jokingly did because he understood and he didn't watch it. He was just like, ha ah, thank you. But I was on a train coming back from Birmingham to London and I inadvertently turned the video on. So I'm just sat on one of the table seats, just openly weeping, looking at my phone. And the, uh, the guy selling tickets just sort of taps me on the shoulder and goes, are you, um, are you okay? And I just went, I'm, I'm just watching the uh, music video to hurt by Johnny Cash. And he went, S is that why you're crying? <laughs> and I went, yeah. And he went, I don't need to see your ticket. And then just walked away. <laughs> <laughs> and I was lucky, because I did not have the right ticket for that. Because <laughs> as a comedian, what I do is I always buy the cheapest ticket, and then I use this accent as my return ticket. <laughs> Here's what you do. You get on the train, and they go, you don't have the right ticket. And you go, what do you mean? I don't have the right ticket. I'm just visiting from uh, Canada. It's a small, um, you have to watch the music video for the song Hurt before you do it. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and you just say, I'm just, I just, I'm just visiting from Canada and I came up from Birmingham and there was this girl we've been dating on and off and I came to see her. It turns out it's over. And then they're like, well, you can't really get on, the I can't get on this train. You're gonna make me stay in Birmingham? And they're like, well, yeah, I think, I'm like, really? Really, with Caroline, you're gonna make me stay here with 
Caroline. And they're like, you can pay the f extra 50 pounds and get on the train. I'm like, I will pay it. Thank you very much. You thought I would cheat my way on. No, I pay my bills. Now, <laughs> we're going to wrap up the show. A couple of quick things. I know you're thinking, John, this was such a great show. We want to give you money. Well, luckily for you guys, I'll be back there with a glass, and you can definitely put money in there. And we're not talking coins. We're talking cash. <laughs> if you can fold a coin, I will take it. If not, time to make with that sweet, sweet cheddar. Now, Andy, you've been the glory and the might of this show. I feel it's only appropriate that you get the final words before we head off into the ether and explore the world. We go be our own individual Hillary Clintons, able to lie and support an adulterer while looking good in a pantsuit. <laughs> I thought that was very funny. I don't care if you guys didn't like it. <laughs> good one, John. Thanks, John. Now, Andy, anything you want to say? Please go right ahead. Uh, thank you and good evening. Thank you and good evening to you. Ladies and gentlemen, for Andy, for Dougie, for America, my name's John Hastings. I'll see you later. And back there.